Hello, friends, and welcome again to another episode of the Pot Luck Podcast. I am Jared Cornut, joined by my co-host uh, for another great, exhilarating, filling episode of the Pot Luck. Alan Murray, how are you doing out there in North Carolina? I'm doing well. Staying incredibly busy, uh, but doing very well. And with us, we have Matt Hensley, who lives in a foreign country they call New Mexico. Uh, how's the weather up there, Matt? It's it's actually pretty mild right now. Um, a couple of days ago, well, well, actually, I guess to go back four years ago, I had a Mustang, and I was told we get like 30, 40 inches of snow a year, and so I need to get a four-wheel drive pickup. So I did, and over the last almost four years, we got a total of about six inches between all years, and uh, so the other day, I went out midlife crisis and got a Corvette, and the next day, we got six in- inches of snow, and so, uh, but ever since, it's been crystal clear weather, and I think about 50 degrees or so, nice little wind, and and uh, so it's a little chilly, but it's it's nice. Life yeah, is Matt good. was was trolling the Art Rainer uh, finance page. No, he thought like, I was trolling. I was dead serious. I, I thought you totally were trolling too. Come on, buy the Corvette. <laughs> then, then one day I get a text message and there's Matt's Corvette. I'm like, oh wow, he <laughs> actually wasn't joking about that. He actually went and did it. So excited for you. Uh, not great for the snow, but hey, is what no, it is. Or hey, or bringing my kids anywhere because say, how many how many seats are in that thing? Two 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 seats. So the favorite child gets the ride. That's exactly. Uh, and that's, work. that's usually how we set it up. So, <laughs> well, friends, it's been a while since we've had, been consistent here on the Potlet podcast. I want to give you a quick explanation for that. Uh, and it's really my fault. Uh, early December, I had kidney stones. Uh, really wasn't up for a recording with those. Those were not any fun. Uh, and then of course, you know, we usually take a break around Christmas time. And around that time, my grandfather passed, I was traveling forth between Alabama and Texas, uh, handling the arrangements for that. And then after I got back, uh, I got COVID and I was out for two weeks with that. So um, is what it is. But we get some exciting news here on the Pilot Podcast. We are partnering with not another bad podcast, which is Matt Hensley and Kyle Bierman. And uh, we're going to be releasing episodes under their, um, I guess you, what you would call their subscription or I don't know what you, what would you call it, Matt? The uh, feed? The, I think yeah, our, our regular podcast feed. So we, we might could go like all fancy and be like the Not Another Baptist Podcast Network. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoop, have whoop. other podcasts and things join that. I know it's kind of popular now. And we'll be releasing pilot podcast episodes every week, midweek for those. And Matt will be joining us each week uh, with Alan and I. And we really look forward to, again, just coming and talking about Baptist life with you guys. And a lot has happened in Baptist life. One of those things is a new Lifeway logo. And uh, our friend Tyler Armstrong said, and Baptists reacted to it like Baptists react. A uh, lot of opinions on the Lifeway logo. It looks a little bit different. So, uh, hey, Alan, gut reaction. What do you think about the Lifeway logo? And you are an old Southern Baptist, so I'm sure you got some opinions on it. Uh, the Lifeway logo. Uh, is what it is. It's the I flame because the emphasis is on the I, not the L. Um, when I first saw it, I had no idea what was going on. You know, this folded over I with an emphasis on the second letter, which isn't really an emphasis on any of, of Lifeway. You know, back back when I was a whippersnapper, it was a Sunday school board as old as you guys think I am. Um, might be better off being the Sunday school board, but that's another discussion for another day. Um, I, it, if it wasn't for the explanation, I would have had no idea what was going on. Um, you know, it's like something Robert Langdon would talk about in one of the Da Vinci Code books. There's such deep-rooted symbolism going on in the new logo. 
that required a tremendous amount of explanation that I, I suspect if you showed it to most people, they'd just say, here's a folded over letter. And that's that's my thought. Um, it's definitely much more trendy, much more modern look that a lot of companies are going with. Matt, uh, you saw the logo. What were your reactions? What was your reaction to it? Well, I think I just heard "Get off my lawn" like really loudly from Alan. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I I can see some of the things that he shared, uh, and, and I think a lot of modern companies have some form of symbolism in their logo. I know. I learned when I was kind of searching for it just to prove somebody wrong on the internet, because that's what we do, uh, that Toyota, you can actually spell Toyota with the the logo itself, which kind of blew my mind. But I know some of us may know the whole, you know, arrow that's in the FedEx and some of that. Um, but I, I'm looking at the Lifeway website where they're, you know, sharing about it, that you've got the cross, which is the reason they exist, a person, the people that they serve, which is us, a folded paper, traditional physical resources, and then that pixel-shaped dot uh, at the top, which is for digital resources. Of course, I kind of jokingly send, you know, maybe Lifeway stuff to my friends, and I'll say L-T-F-E-W-A-Y, and, uh, but still, I, you know, it's growing on me a little bit. I like the, uh, the color. I wish it was orange, for, for obvious reasons, but, but yeah, I'm, a, I'm okay with it. It's, it's growing on me would be the best way to describe it. I've always been kind of the notion, if you have to explain your logo, then I'm not sure how effective it is. Uh, uh, I love Lifeway. I'll, I'll admit, I hated the logo when it came out. I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Why is there a cross? It's an I, not a T. This is super confusing. Uh, it's gotten better on me, growing on me like it has on you. Uh, I, I do. It's a much more modern look. The old logo uh, looked like my old church logo when I got to Plymouth Park, uh, clip art from the 90s. And so it, it's definitely much more modern. Nobody's talking about the lowercase w. And so that's interesting to me because that's a definitely a different look. But this is it's very simplistic, which is what companies are going with now. I get that. It's probably a lot more easy to brand and get out there and things like that. Uh, wish it wasn't orange. Um some of the worst sports teams in history, Auburn, Tennessee, the Houston Astros, have orange in their colors. So uh, they could have put crimson, which they used to have a maroonish red, which uh, I think was a Tom Rainer thing because he was a diehard Alabama fan. But it is what it is. Alan, jump in here. Oh, I'm with Matt. Orange is my favorite color, um, and so I'd be fine with being orange. Uh, what, I'm, what I'm understanding here is it, it's a deep theological thing. The, the logo, it's kind of like amillennialism. You have to understand all of the deep symbolism there that you cannot take it literally. Um, and so if you're a dispensationalist, you might not understand the new Lifeway logo. What you're oh. saying is Lifeway is for the more reformed now, not the uh, dispensational. Uh, John Hagee's not, they're not going to sell any more John Hagee books to Lifeway. I'm, I'm not sure that's what I'm saying, but maybe it was symbolic what I said. I, I've gotten more used to the new name than my autocorrect has, because when I try and type it without the uppercase W, it still is trying to send me back to the old school. And so my my phone is basically possessed by a 70-year-old J. Allen Murray. So, but yeah. My phone does the same. <laughs> and I used to work for Lifeway, as you did as well. And so it'll always be capital W. Um, I used to work for Lifeway as well for the camp. So we all three have worked for Lifeway, so we can speak... Uh, Accordingly to that, I'm just more disappointed. I've got to update my tattoo. I mean, you know, when, when you when you sign up to work for Lifeway, you got to get that new logo, and uh, so now I've got to go back and tweak that a little bit, I guess. Well, that's okay because Alan has Sunday school board tattooed across his back. So I mean, you know, it could be worse. You know, he's got to get that completely scrubbed and redone. 
and, and things like that. We got new uh, Southern Baptist logo. We got new uh, Lifeway logo. It's a new day in Southern Baptist life. It's obviously showing that we're drifting towards liberalism because we are becoming slick and modern like all these secular companies. Uh, but it is what it is. And Lifeway, uh, they are updating their website, and uh, they've had some really neat sales going on recently. I actually just bought uh, the uh, Old Testament and New Testament, the Holman Christian Commentary, for like $100. And so there's a lot of cool stuff going on there. I know if you go to the website right now, you can get Give Me 20, which is 20% off on most of your purchases. they got some great deals on Bibles. And so uh, exciting things going on for Lifeway. It'll be interesting to hear uh, about the really the lasting effects of covid at the annual meeting on Lifeway. Uh, of course, they uh, we know they're selling their building now. Um, we I know we didn't say we we're going to talk about that, but talking about Lifeway, they're selling their building downtown, and it seems like they're going to get some office space somewhere else, but primarily work from home. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's going to be weird to me. I, I remember the big, tall Lifeway building down in Nashville with a big store out front, and then they built this new building not just two years ago, uh, but because of the financial impact and the work from home culture that's becoming more popular, Lifeway is selling their building uh, and that's going to help them financially as well. But that's quite interesting to me that there will be no Lifeway downtown, no Sunday school board downtown. They said they're only using 60% of the space, but uh, is that weird to you guys that there will be uh, no uh, no temple to go to and, and uh, give our sacrifices down in downtown Nashville as we make our pilgrimage this summer? I was going to say that on the one side, I think it could be very beneficial. I know they use a lot of pastors for their Sunday school material and so forth. So they're they're on the ground, they're in the trenches, and this is going to allow the people, instead of being kind of sequestered in an office space where they're, they're, they're not separate from churches, obviously these people are part of church and all of that kind of stuff, but now they're going to be out in the world and, and maybe with their churches and, and all of that kind of stuff doing their material that way. And I think there, there might be more of kind of that local church focus in voice that's going to be in their material since simply because they're not in that office eight to five, so to speak. And so I, I think that could be a positive thing for Lifeway. I'm glad to hear some, some positive financial decisions being made. Um, I'm not sure that everything that's happened in the last five years financially has made a lot of sense for Lifeway, um, but I'm not a CEO. Uh, and so I may not be able to speak to that with any kind of authority. And I'm still not convinced we're going to have an annual meeting like it should be normally had. Um, I sure hope that we do. But June is sneaking up on us. Um, so we may not be able to eat hot chicken. I'll go on the record and say I think we're having an annual meeting this year. There's no way they cancel it two years in a row. What that looks like, I don't know. Uh, you know I'm sure there'll be mass mandates and things like that. I'm sure a lot of our older Southern Baptist preachers and lay people will probably stay home. Uh, which will be interesting how that affects the, the election uh, that's coming up. We've got four guys already running for SPC president, and we'll talk more about that in some future episodes. Uh, but I'll go on the right. I think we're having an annual meeting. What do you think, Matt? I, I definitely do. Um, I feel like of, of all the cities that could probably pull it off uh, with the resources and stuff that we may need to, to be able to have it, I, I definitely think it's going to be uh, happening there in Nashville. And uh, I don't, I, <laughs> I think we've said before, we'd like to have it canceled just to see heads explode when JD has a fourth year or whatever, but I, I think it's going to happen. And I don't know if that means that, you know, maybe they're only allowed to have 20% of 
the the venue filled or something like that and and but what that would mean is there's other so churches there yeah but, but other churches are there that maybe we could have a venue there you know where they're in a not, another campus i mean there's all kinds of things that i think they would be working through but i feel like we're going to have it and i think as we see the vaccine rates go up and as we shared on not another baptist podcast last week you know as we see the vaccine rates go up and then the cases go down maybe by june who, who knows? Maybe it's at a part, part where some of our older folks are, are going to be a little more comfortable going. Maybe they've been vaccinated at that point and they're not as worried about it. I mean, there's a lot of things that can go into that decision. And uh, so our, our spot is ready. We're registered and hoping to be there and uh, can't wait to uh, chase you around. I, uh, I pre-registered this week, and I put a non-refundable deposit down for a couple of massages with Matt at the Gaylord. So I really need them not to cancel that so we can go get our massages. and Because, uh, you know, the, the convention's stressful, so we gotta we got to be able to do that and relax a little bit. I feel there. very uncomfortable with this conversation right now. <laughs> that's the uh, that's the price you pay for preaching in my pulpit. Well, hey, look, that's not the only Southern Baptist news that is happening. Committee uh, task force that was investigating – the ERLC came out with uh, their findings and the report, and they basically gave a list to the ERLC of things that they're kind of expecting. You know, they don't want them to oppose candidates candidates anymore. They want them to only work through resolutions that the uh, uh, the convention has done through the years when they're advocating. Um, and of course, this was um, you had Brother Roland on that committee. You had Mike Stone on that committee, who is running for SBC president. He actually chaired that committee, and he was the chairperson of the executive committee before then. And so this is uh, received a lot of pushback, a lot of disagreements. Obviously, Dr. Moore uh, has become a contentious figure in Southern Baptist life. Uh, I think all of us here would say uh, we appreciate the RLC. We appreciate the work they do. Um Matt, when you saw the findings that the task force gave, what was kind of your gut reaction when you read that? Do you think it was fair, unfair? And what's your stance? What Mayhill? I mean, you guys give the cooperative program. Are you guys grateful to give the RLC and the work they do? Uh, to answer the second question, that's a little easier. Yes, uh, we we give faithfully to the cooperative program and are grateful for the work that all of our entities do. Uh, I think there's times that uh, any number of them could do something that I disagree with, but ultimately I believe they're moving forward in their callings and, and what their areas are faithfully. And uh, so I try to assume the, the best and, uh, and believe what they're, they're accomplishing is great. And, and I think we can see some of the other stuff that the ERLC does that maybe doesn't hit the press or we don't talk about because it's great news. You know, the different uh, sonogram machines and some of that kind of stuff that goes out there. Uh, they do a lot of amazing work and they've had a number of great, uh, you know, judgments that have come down with religious liberty that they've had a part of. And so we see some of that, but it's easy to focus on, you know, maybe the politics side of it. And that is frustrating because sometimes you do get the good news then gets outweighed by that. The other problem though, with some of the findings is I think one of the things you mentioned was that if we hadn't spoken about it before, you know, by resolution or something like that, they don't need to speak on it. Uh, how, however, we've got various resolutions that contradict one another. And so you can kind of have a voice for just about anything. So in some sense, that's like a shot in the dark of just about anything that they could share may have some kind of resolution below it, you know, and, and we can look at past resolution about public character uh, of public figures or the moral character of public figures and so forth that I think some of what they had shared in the past may have fallen under that. So, you know, in some sense, I, I feel like we 
may have wasted some money, but at the same time, uh, this is something that we do. We give people a voice and, and various state conventions we're able to be a part of and, uh, and we can hear about it. And then as Baptists do, disagree or agree in the various ways that we do. And that's, you know, it's a very Baptist thing that I think we accomplished. So that might be the best way to word it. You know, and they, they allegedly, they kind of did some hearsay studies. Like, you know, we've heard these things. What was kind of telling to me was, is they sent, uh, you know, questions to all the state conventions. Only 15 conventions replied back, state conventions replied back uh, to them. And, uh, you know, they were saying, you know, well, we're hearing some people are not giving to the RLC. But here's the thing. The giving in the cooperative program has been going down when Richard Land was the ERLC president. We actually kind of had a little bit of an uptick. Uh, I don't think the ERLC is the problem. They received 1.65% of the cooperative program budget. It's a minuscule amount of money. When you consider everything, they receive less than anybody else. Uh, I believe that is correct. And so uh, for them to say, you know, well, people are withholding money or people are threatening to leave the convention. Well, we, we have a lot of people leaving the convention right now on other things. So there's a lot of issues going on there. And I, I tweeted about this and I, it kind of went off on my Twitter, but uh, our church increased, we increased our cooperative program giving by $40,000 from 2019 to 2020. And we gave $175,000 to Southern Baptist Causes, Lottie Moon, Annie Armstrong Cooperative Program. And I called our state office Monday. I said, I just want you to know, I was quite frankly, I was a little disgusted with the executive committee task force report and that Plymouth Park Baptist Church, we support the ERLC. And we want you to know, we believe in the cooperative program. We support the cooperative program and we support the ERLC. Matt, jump in here. I know you want to add something as, you know, pastors, how many times we've had somebody come to us and say, you know, people have said, or someone has said, and, and there's no real name behind it. And, uh, but, but a lot of times, the other thing I think about when I, I forgot about the 13 or 14 only responding, uh, that I remember uh, a pastor before sharing how, how many times do, when you have a good experience at, you know, Jared, at, at, Babe's Chicken House or at Whataburger, the the first thing I think to do is go to Yelp and give them a five-star review. Usually I don't think about it. If I have a bad experience, sometimes I do think about going to Yelp or Google reviews or whatever. And so sometimes those that are, are happy and excited about what is happening, whether it's NAM, IMB, whatever it is, they don't often share it. And uh, But when when you are upset, you're very quick to make that very uh, known. And certainly with social media, Twitter, Facebook, all of that kind of stuff, we know that that gives everybody a voice, which, you know, that's the freedom that we have in America. We're grateful for that. But that also means that everybody has a voice. And sometimes a squeaky uh, wheel is going to get the grease. And, uh, and that sometimes can be a frustrating thing and can keep us from being the convention, the association of churches, the fellowship of churches that we're called uh, to be, in my opinion. Yeah. And we got to remember that the convention overwhelmingly, the messengers just a few years ago when the a motion was made to defund the ERLC. That was laughed at and rejected. Hey, Alan, one of the things the executive committee said was is that they did uh, the people did not appreciate Dr. Moore's response. I believe it was 2016 when the pastor from Arkansas was asking about the amicus brief that the ERLC filed on behalf of the mosque in uh, New York, or New Jersey, wherever that was. Uh, I thought his response was phenomenal. That as Baptists, we believe in religious liberty for all, and that the government is strong enough to take away. Uh, the ability for a mosque to be built or to worship can take it away from Southern Baptists as well. Did you believe his response then was inappropriate, like apparently some people are saying? Religious liberty is a Baptist distinctive. And it is certainly something that, uh, as you said, we, we believe it for all people. Uh, as the Baptist faith message puts it, uh, God alone is Lord of the conscience. Um, 
state mandated religion, state sponsored religion uh, is not a Baptist ideal. We come from a long line of persecuted people. So defending the liberty of, of anything, um, maybe maybe some folks need to learn a little bit about the founding of, of a colony called Rhode Island. I don't know. Uh, but it's it's a fundamental Baptist idea, and and I'm thankful. Like I, I feel so many people don't realize that when you open the door to restrict freedom of religion in one direction, you really open the door to restrict freedom of religion in every direction. And you can see that historically. You can see that going on in places right now, um, and certainly looking back at history as well. So uh, I, I don't think that was inappropriate. Um, I, I think that's a, a gross misunderstanding of many Baptists. Uh, about soul competency and religious liberty. We, we need to do some more teaching on that. Um, it's part of the Baptist Faith Message 2000. I wholeheartedly agree, Alan. Well, ERLC Lifeway, lots of Baptist news, and we'll have more of that coming in the next few weeks. But this is the Potluck Podcast. And we like to throw a little Southern culture in there, even though we got Matt with us, who has no idea about Southern culture. We get to educate him on this podcast. Matt came and preached for me at the end of December at my church. I went home to see my family. Matt made his pilgrimage to come see his family, and they live just right down the road from my church. So it always works out for him to come preach, and our people love to see Matt and hear from him each year. It's become a pretty neat tradition here at Plymouth Park. And as per my tradition, I left a note asking him not to be a heretic in the pulpit. And this year I left a little gift for him, which was some Big Bob Gibson's Alabama white barbecue sauce. And Matt called me one day and said, what the heck am I supposed to eat with this? Uh, give me some guidance here. And so I told Matt to go buy a rotisserie chicken, shred it up a little bit, have that for dinner, pour it on there. Uh, he sent me his daughter's reviews of the white sauces were all glowing and great reviews. But Matt, what did you think? And what did Rebecca think about the white sauce? So the girls absolutely loved it. Uh, they thought it was delicious. Uh, Rebecca loved it. Um, you know, would eat it again. You know, kind of nine ten, I would eat again. You know, that kind of thing. I think we might have poured just a little bit too much. It was a little overpowering, and thus I couldn't taste as much of the rotisserie chicken. Now, it was a Walmart rotisserie chicken. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, but the next time that we do try it, which we will, because uh, we still have some a little left over because we poured almost the entire bottle on it. I don't know what we're supposed to do with this. I just started dumping. And uh, so next time I might kind of reach out and what's what's kind of the, you know, the the ounce to you know, the drop of this. What's yeah, the What's ratio? the ratio for this? Because it was good. To me, it was just a little bit overpowering, and I felt like I might as well, if I wanted the full experience, just put a straw in that bottle. Now, you might do that, but it was a little overpowering for, for me, and I would need to kind of have a little more practice with how to pull it off the right ratio. You know, for, for my kind of thought is with barbecue sauce or white sauce, uh, the more I, pull, I put on, um, the more that I put on, then it's going to uh, – it's how bad the meat is. So if the meat's good, you don't need as much sauce – Alan, I put um, uh, smoked chicken primarily. What do you do? Yeah, um, definitely with poultry, uh, smoked turkey, smoked chicken. Um, you know, pulled chicken is not my favorite thing. Um, I like to leave chicken on the bone, but if you do pulled chicken on like a sandwich, white sauce is great on that. Guys, great to be back on the Potluck Podcast. Great to be recording. Look for episodes, usually around Tuesday, I think is what we're uh, doing. Is that right, Matt? Uh, this when we release date each week as we do uh, Baptist news and cover some Southern culture. Thanks for joining us. I uh, hope that when you came to the potluck this week, you had your fill, had your full, and you didn't put too much white sauce on what we had to offer, but we'll give you the right ratio for next Amen. time. Amen. <laughs> Join us next time. Same Baptist time, same Baptist hour. Stay Baptist, my friends. <laughs>